We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 439 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, November 9th, 2022, election day 2022 is over, although the vote counting continues. Uh, Did you vote? You better have voted. You gotta vote. How come you didn't vote? What's wrong with you? How do you not vote? Are you anti-democracy? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I am not one of these people who lectures others on how they have to vote. You should do whatever you want to do. If you vote, that's great. We live in the best country in the world. If you want to exercise your right to vote, more power to you. I myself did vote on Tuesday. But if you did not vote, For whatever reason, if you did not like any of the candidates, if you had not been following any of the races, if you're not that into politics, that's okay too. That doesn't make you some terrible, awful, anti-democracy person. Uh, So you will not hear me say, whatever you do, make sure that you vote. Or it doesn't matter who you vote for, just vote. No, what I say is, do what you want to do. Do what is right for you. And if you don't do what you are so often lectured to do by celebrities and people in the media, that's okay. Perhaps you are familiar with the great song by Rush called Free Will. As is said in that song, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. That's a great line. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. There you go. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Special guest coming up on the show, sports law expert Michael McCann of Sportico for an in-depth breakdown of the biggest story in Washington, D.C. sports in years. Commanders, co-owners, and co-CEOs Dan and Tanya Snyder at the very least exploring a sale of the team if not outright selling the team, and the latter certainly appears to be the case. Uh, Michael is one of the top sports law experts in the country. He has spent a lot of time following and studying and writing about and discussing the Dan Snyder saga. And so we're going to get into a lot with what's going on, including why and how 
we're now at this point. As you know, it for years had been made clear that Dan Snyder would never sell the team. Well, just like Dan would never change the name of the team, things change. So what exactly happened? Why and how has Dan apparently completely flipped on selling the team? Uh, Also, if Dan doesn't want to sell the team to Amazon founder and Washington Post owner Jeff Bezos, as has been speculated, is it as simple as Dan doesn't have to sell the team to Jeff? Uh, We're going to get into all of that and a lot more with Michael McCann coming up shortly. Uh, Before that, next segment, in fact, I have some statistical observations on the commanders for you. You know, I never like to only do non-football commanders talk with you on the podcast. The Dan Snyder stuff is massive. I'm not going to not talk about it, but I get it. I'm like you. It's football season. I also want to talk football. So next segment, some significant and in some ways underrated statistical positives for the commanders right now in the 2022 NFL regular season. Also on the show, the Hoyas. They won. Yes, they actually won a game as the legendary radio voice of the Hoyas. Rich Botkin says, Hoyas win. Hoyas win! 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 Yes, Rich. Hoyas win. Georgetown basketball, it did win. It's season opener, a 99-89 overtime win over Coppin State at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night as the Hoyas snapped a 21-game losing streak. The Hoyas in their horrendous 2021-2022 season went 6-25 overall and 0-20 in the Big East and lost their last 21 games. Well, the Hoyas this season now are 1-0. I'll talk Georgetown later in the show. Remember, no podcast or show covers Washington, D.C. area sports like this podcast does. It's great to have you with us. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from M. Todd H. on the sale of the Commanders, writes Todd, on a sales note, in what universe does Dan get the likes of Musk and Bezos to bid against each other for the franchise? Dan wins again. (laughs) Thank you for the tweet, Todd. Uh, Would that not be the ultimate bidding war? Jeff Bezos versus Elon Musk. According to Forbes, Bezos is the fourth richest person in the world and Musk is the number one richest person in the world. Uh, Bezos is worth well over $100 billion. Musk is worth close to $200 billion. Uh, Buying the commanders for, say, $7 billion pocket change for the likes of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. You know, assuming that Dan is selling the entire team, he is going to make a killing. Uh, Who knows how he's truly feeling about all of this, but the Danny is going to make a killing with this sale. Forbes this past August valued the commanders as being worth $5.6 billion. I would not be surprised if Dan got $8 billion for the team. I know everyone's saying $7 billion. I would not be surprised by $8 billion. The team is in a major market, a top 10 television market in the Washington, D.C. market. The team is severely underperforming, and it appears as if a whole lot of Richie Riches want in on the team. That right there is a recipe 
for the team being sold at an insane price. Uh, email from Rob on his experience at the Commander's 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field this past Saturday afternoon. Writes Rob, I took my boys to the game, 12 and 9 years old. We got there early and walked around inside the stadium to kill time. 10 minutes into our walk, I was trying to find out where to buy Vikings jerseys. We just didn't want to feel so out of place. Uh, that being said, our fans who were there were outstanding. Very loud and engaged. Basically half the lower bowl, plus or minus. That's what the new owner has to work with. He or she better fertilize and water often. Uh, Thank you for the email, Rob. I always very much value firsthand experiences at games at FedEx Field. I was surprised at how many Vikings fans were at the game, not because of the notion of FedEx Field being overtaken by opposing teams fans being novel. Uh, No, opposing teams fans have been overtaking FedEx Field for decades now, but because I just never considered Vikings fans to be as present in the area as or as willing to travel as they apparently are. Uh, that we multiple times had loud skull chants at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon was crazy. And this was off us having had Go Pack Go chants in the previous game at FedEx Field. The win over the Green Bay Packers in Week 7. We had skull chants at FedEx Field in this loss to the Vikings in week nine. Uh, But this was part of why, for me, the number one item coming out of the weekend wasn't the game, but rather the sale of the commanders. And Fox Sports NFL insider Jay Glazer on Fox NFL Sunday having reported that the intent of Dan Snyder is, in fact, quote, to sell the entire team, end quote. It is absurd (laughs) that we have multiple loud go pack go chants at FedEx Field in one game and then multiple loud skull chants in the next game at FedEx Field. Like, this isn't normal. This is abnormal. But for us, it is normal because it has been going on for so long. Uh, Email from Kim on Commander's quarterback Taylor Heineke writes, Kim, take off Taylor's chains. Run, baby, run. Look at Justin Fields. Taylor isn't Justin Fields, but still learn from his example. Uh, Thank you for that, Kim. I agree with you. Uh, I have been saying going back to last season that Washington needs to do a better job of taking advantage of Taylor Heineke's mobility. Now, to the commander's credit, I did think that we, in the loss to the Vikings, did see the commanders do a better job of trying to capitalize on Taylor's mobility. That spin move run that Taylor had, that was a read option run, or at least a read option looking run. Uh, Taylor had that third quarter, second and 10, nine yard shotgun read option run on which he made an excellent spin move to get by linebacker Eric Kendricks. Now, head coach Ron Rivera unwisely challenged the play, but the initial ruling of a nine-yard run was upheld, leaving the commanders with a mere one second-half timeout. But you get the idea. A read option run for Taylor Heineke. Uh, I like that. I want to see more of that. Heck, remember what happened later on that drive. Uh, Taylor on the final snap of the third quarter on a third and 10 for the commanders at the Vikings 23 caused edge defenders a Darius Smith to commit a 12-yard face mask penalty as Taylor was scrambling. Taylor's mobility is a major weapon. And yeah, what Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields is doing with his mobility is tremendous. Uh, Fields and the Bears' 35-32 home loss to the Miami Dolphins this past Sunday afternoon. 15 carries for 178 yards and a touchdown. His 178 rushing yards, the most rushing yards ever for a quarterback in an NFL regular season game, and he had three touchdown passes versus no interceptions. Uh, You know, the Bears offense isn't so bad 
That Commander's 12-7 win at the Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6 is looking more and more impressive. I mean, the Bears, since that game, have put up the following point totals, 33, 29, and 32. Not bad. The Bears. The Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Uh, Well, it is true that the Commander's defensive performance in the win at the Bears is looking better and better. It is also true that if you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, before we get to our special guest, sports law expert Michael McCann of Sportico to conduct a deep dive on Dan Snyder selling the Commanders. I do want to talk some Commanders football with you right now, uh, some odds and ends type observations. So the Commanders defensive line clearly has been the team's best position group so far this season. Uh, the D-line had another good game in the Commanders' most recent game, the 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Take a listen to some stats through week nine. Uh, the Commanders now are number two in the NFL, in run defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. Number two. Uh, Now, the Commanders are only 25th in the NFL in pass defense for DVOA 
for this regular season. That is surprising, but remember, the Commanders have given up a lot of explosive passing plays this season. But geez, number two in the NFL in run defense per DVOA. I mean, that is just tremendous. Uh, The Commanders this past Sunday afternoon held Vikings running backs Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison to combined 19 carries for just 48 yards. That works out to just 2.53 yards per carry. And this was especially significant because the Vikings rushing offense this season had been great. The Vikings through week eight were number four in the NFL in rushing offense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. Uh, Of course, interior defensive linemen Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne have been massive reasons for the commander's great run defense. Each guy was so good in that loss to the Vikings. Uh, John had four quarterback hits and two tackles for loss. He was the third highest graded commander's player for pro football focus for the game, registered an overall grade of 80.5. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Duran finished with a sack, two quarterback hits, and four tackles for loss. How about this? Both John Allen and Duran Payne are top five in the NFL in tackles for loss in the 2022 regular season. Yeah, the commanders have two of the top five players in the NFL in tackles for loss. John Allen is third in the NFL in tackles for loss with 11. Deron Payne is tied for fourth in the NFL in tackles for loss with 10. Uh, Quarterback hits. The commanders have four players each with at least 11 quarterback hits in this 2022 regular season. Edge defender Montez Sweat is tied for second in the NFL in quarterback hits with 19. Deron Payne is tied for 10th in the NFL in quarterback hits with 13. Edge defender James Smith-Williams has 12 quarterback hits, and John Allen has 11 quarterback hits. But I think what stands out the most out of all that is James Smith-Williams with 12 quarterback hits. I mean, talk about per snap production. He has only played on 55.2% of the commander's defensive snaps, and yet he has 12 quarterback hits. Uh, Not too shabby for a guy who Washington took in the seventh round of the 2020 NFL draft at NC State. You know, you go back to Washington's 2020 draft. Washington in the seventh round of that draft got both James Smith-Williams and safety Cameron Curl. Uh, Cam has an overall grade for pro football focus for the 2022 regular season of 81.9. But how about that as a seventh round for a draft, Cameron Curl and James Smith-Williams? Someone else who I want to highlight is receiver Curtis Samuel. Uh, He continues to have a really nice bounce back season off what was, of course, a 2021 season That was ruined by injury. Uh, Washington in March 2021 signed Curtis as an unrestricted free agent. That signing did not look so good at the end of last season, but right now the signing doesn't look so bad. Uh, Curtis in the loss to the Vikings, three receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown on four targets. He drew a penalty and he had one carry for 16 yards in playing on 75% of the commander's offensive snaps. The touchdown catch, of course, was spectacular. Opening drive of the second half, quarterback Taylor Heineke, a second and seven, 49-yard shotgun play action touchdown bomb to Curtis Samuel, who incredibly caught the ball while between three Vikings defenders, one of whom safety Cameron 
Cameron Bynum crashed into back judge Steve Patrick. Curtis in front of the end zone made a great leaping forward catch while falling down and then had the awareness to get up and get into the end zone. Curtis ended up being the highest graded commander's offensive player for pro football focus for the game. Overall grade of 82.6. But I mentioned Curtis on Sunday afternoon having one carry for 16 yards. He this season has been really productive on carries. As you may know, Curtis at Ohio State was a running back. Uh, Curtis now in the 2022 regular season, 18 carries for 122 yards. That works out to 6.78 yards per carry. And it's not just that. Curtis per sport radar is averaging an impressive 2.6 yards after contact per carry. He on his carries is generating yardage after contact. He's breaking tackles. You know, he's not just getting touched and falling down. Like, no, he's carrying the football and he's generating significant yardage after contact. Uh, Football Outsiders has a metric called DYAR, stands for Defense Adjusted Yards Above Replacement. It's kind of like wins above replacement war in baseball. Curtis Samuel for the 2022 regular season is number two among all qualified receivers in the NFL in rushing DYAR. And then there is the punter, Tressway. Uh, I have been wanting to talk some Tressway with you. He last Thursday was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Month for his work in October. Tress through Week 9 has the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number three among all qualified punters in the NFL in net yards per punt, 44.5. Number one in the NFL in punts inside the 20 with 22. And number one in the NFL in total punts with 50. He has punted a lot. That's not a good thing, obviously, but his punting, once again, has been very good. Uh, This is Tressway's ninth consecutive season as Washington's punter. The Redskins claimed him off waivers from the Chicago Bears in August 2014. Think about how long ago that was. August 2014, and he has been Washington's punter ever since. Uh, The Commanders through Week 9 are number four in the NFL in overall special teams DVOA for the 2022 regular season. Included in that DVOA mix is the Commanders being number one in the NFL in production from punts. Uh, That encompasses not just the punting of Tressway, but the punt coverage of the Commanders. I mean, think about that. Number one in the NFL are the Commanders in production from punts for football outsiders. And think about the specifics of two of the Commanders' four wins, two huge plays on Tressway punts of the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football in week six. Corner Christian Holmes in the fourth quarter recovered a muffed catch by receiver Valus Jones Jr. on a Tressway punt. The ensuing commander's offensive possession started at the Bears six, resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr. second and goal one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run for a 12-7 commander's lead. The 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7. The commander's punt coverage team made a big play for a second consecutive game. Packers receiver Amari Rogers in the first quarter, a lost fumble on a muff catch of a punt. Safety Percy Butler recovered the fumble. Ensuing commander's offensive drive resulted in a field goal. Kicker Joey Sly's 
first quarter 22-yard field goal that cut the Packers' lead to 7-3. Tress Way and the Commander's punt coverage unit uh, doing very good work this season. Up next, a welcome on sports law expert Michael McCann of Sportico. We will go in-depth on Dan Snyder selling the Commanders. What are the real reasons that Dan now is doing something that it had seemed that he would never do? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, if you would like to be a part of the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode at an oh-so-affordable price, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. This installment of the podcast is for Wednesday, November 9th. It was one week ago, Wednesday, November 2nd, that we had the seismic news that the Commander's co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, are at the very least exploring a sale of the team, if not outright selling the team, as the team confirmed a report from Forbes via a statement that said that Dan and Tanya have hired B of A Securities, aka Bank of America, quote, to consider potential transactions, end quote. So much has come out since then, including an avalanche of reports of and stories on people interested in buying the commanders, including a number of well-known people, right? Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, hip-hop mogul and entrepreneur Jay-Z, uh, superstar actor and Commanders fan Matthew McConaughey, Brooklyn Net star, PG County native and Commanders fan Kevin Durant, uh, we also had what Fox Sports NFL insider Jay Glazer, who has been very plugged in on this Dan Snyder stuff, reported this past Sunday on Fox NFL Sunday that Dan's intent is, in fact, quote, to sell the entire team, end quote, that the asking price is around $7 billion, and that the hope is to have the sale finalized 
by the NFL League meeting this coming March, as in March 2023, as in within the next five months. Our 23-plus year nightmare. (laughs) Dan Snyder's ownership of the NFL team of Washington, D.C., appears to be ending. I mean, this still really is hard to believe, but how and why exactly are we at this point of there never having been any indication that Dan would get to this point? I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast for the first time sports law expert Michael McCann of Sportico. Uh, Michael is an attorney. He is a law professor and is the sports and entertainment law director at the University of New Hampshire's Franklin Pierce Law School. You can follow Michael on Twitter at McCann Sports Law. Michael, it is great to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Al. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, You have followed and studied the Dan Snyder saga. Does it feel to you like he's truly done? Does it feel to you like he is selling the entirety of his ownership of the team and that he's going to be out as commander's owner sometime soon? Yeah, it, it seems as if the momentum for him selling has picked up, especially with the announcement that he's retained Bank of America to explore some sort of transactions. Now, it doesn't mean, as you know, that he's necessarily selling the team. He could be selling part of it. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities, but uh, there are enough rumors to think that he's looking to capitalize on maybe a massive sale, uh, a record-breaking sale, and that maybe he's sort of gotten tired of the controversy and the, the pressure to leave and uh, hey, look, at some point, I'm sure that ha- has weighed on him. Obviously, he's withstood it for a long time, uh, but maybe there's an expiration date. And ultimately, him leaving is going to be up to him. And you know, maybe he's figured this is the right time to do it. It's hard to ignore the fact that the announcement from the commanders on the morning of November 2nd confirming the Forbes report that the Snyders are exploring a sale of the team came just hours before the publication of an ESPN report that the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia has opened a criminal investigation into allegations that Washington engaged in financial improprieties. As we try to figure out what changed and why and how Dan Snyder went from insisting that he would never sell the team to now apparently selling the entirety of his ownership of the team, is this federal criminal investigation what changed? Do you believe that this is why Dan has done a 180 on selling the team? It, it possibly, although I would say if he did something wrong, selling the team is not going to help him out, right? Because if there is some sort of crime committed that gets to the ownership level, whether he's the current owner or former owner, he could still be held accountable. So I know it's been speculated that these two are connected, and I'm sure they're connected in terms of media leaks. I don't question that. I don't know, or at least I'm less sure that an investigation would motivate him to sell when, in a way, it's already too late. If something wrong happened and uh, investigators discover it, whether he's the current owner or former owner wouldn't wouldn't help him out. So uh, certainly, if he feels as if he's under more pressure because of an investigation. Now, I I would also be cautious with this investigation. We don't know what it's going to lead to. It doesn't necessarily mean he or anyone is going to be charged. 
there may be a grand jury. It could take a while to play out. So maybe he's getting ahead of it. Although my gut is that it's more, the timing is more connected in terms of media leaks than his decision-making. I want to get back to that in a moment, but I want to first gain clarity on something. So it has become almost impossible to keep track of all of the ongoing investigations with the commanders, but this criminal investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia into the alleged financial improprieties by Washington is not the first investigation regarding the financial scandal for the team. This all gets confusing, but we have the workplace misconduct scandal and we have the financial scandal. The investigations pertaining to the financial scandal had been the Mary Jo White investigation and investigations being conducted by the Attorneys General of Washington, D.C. and Virginia. How exactly is this investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia more significant than these other ongoing investigations into the financial scandal? Yeah, so, so I think the NFL's investigation, although it is threatening, is ultimately really just an internal investigation by the league, and it can't lead to any sort of criminal charges or anything along those lines. The attorneys general's investigations could conceivably lead to criminal charges, but I think the thinking there is it's more civil. The Federal Trade Commission similarly would be looking into uh, potential civil harms and members of Congress, I'm not sure what their investigation produced in terms of actionable items, but the, the big difference here is that this is an investigation by an arm of the Department of Justice. It could lead to criminal charges. It could lead to wire fraud. It could lead to other potential crimes. So it's much more threatening in terms of the potential ramifications. This isn't, I mean, this is much bigger than losing a team, right? This is much, this is, this is somebody being charged with a crime, potentially. Again, potentially is a key word. So, it, and it also, I think, is more threatening to the league as a whole because if if federal agents are investigating employees or formal employee former employees, it's hard for the league to think that that those targets of the investigation are, are going to be silent. Uh, even if they have NDAs, they may be worried about their own exposure. So, this is got to be worrisome for the league. And also, I, I think there, there's, there's reason to think if one team wasn't sharing revenue with the league, if one team wasn't fully refunding money to fans, is it only one team, right? Because that, that's why I think in any kind of situation like this, the question is, is, is it just one team doing it? Or is this some sort of practice that people don't talk about that occurs? I have no idea. But I would be worried if I'm the NFL, if this, if there's any sense that this A happened with the commanders or B, if it did, could it be a practice that's not exclusive to them? Yeah. So now we arrive back at what you were talking about a few minutes ago. Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay on October 18th in a session with reporters at the NFL Fall League meeting in Manhattan became the first NFL owner to publicly question whether Dan Snyder should remain as commander's owner. You have examined the NFL constitution and you in a piece for Sportico last month wrote about how difficult it would be for NFL owners to vote Dan out as an owner. Quote, although the Constitution contemplates removal of an owner, it makes that outcome extremely difficult to achieve. 
This is intentional. Owners are accorded certainty that they cannot be ousted from their franchises absent extraordinary and to date unprecedented circumstances. End quote. So what about this theory? Other NFL owners, perhaps knowing about this investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia before the rest of us did, and perhaps having become fed up with all of the drama and controversy surrounding Dan Snyder, and perhaps recognizing the difficulty and unprecedented nature of voting Dan out as owner, went to Dan and essentially told him that he was done, told him that he needed to get out that perhaps other NFL owners found a means of circumventing the vote. Because again, as you know, NFL owners voting out another NFL owner just does not happen. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've never seen it happen. And that's pretty telling. 102 years, the NFL hasn't voted out an owner. It takes three quarters of them to do so. The NFL would have to bring charges. The, uh, a supermajority of owners would have to sustain them. We don't know what would happen after that. Could Snyder accuse other owners, possible, of their own misconduct? Could it expose them to their own investigations? Could he sue under antitrust law? Some would say, well, the Constitution says it's final and unappealable. Yeah, we'll tell that to an antitrust lawyer. (laughs) I don't think there's ever finality with an antitrust lawyer. So it, it could be a real problem for the league. So is it possible that the league has sort of pressured him to say, look, there's this investigation. It's really time to get out of Dodge. That's possible. Although I would say a couple things. One is I would think that would have leaked given how many leaks there are. And we haven't heard that leak. And the other is that I don't know if Snyder would feel pressure. He hasn't felt pressured before. He seems to want to do things on his own timeline. And it would be a departure from the way he conducts business and has been an owner for him to suddenly feel like an investigation, though threatening, may not lead to anything. So I, I, I don't know. I, my, my sense is that if he sells the team, I'm sure he feels pressure, but I think ultimately it's really going to be up to him. We're talking Dan Snyder and the sale of the commanders with sports law expert Michael McCann of Sportico. Dan and Tanya Snyder, of course, currently have majority ownership of the Commanders. The team still is Dan's and Tanya's team. There's a belief that Dan has zero desire to sell the team to Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, with which Dan has feuded for years. At the same time, I'm sure that the NFL has at least some input in who buys its teams. And we know that Bezos and the NFL have a very good relationship. See the Amazon deal for Thursday night football. To what extent can Dan dictate who the next owner of the team is? I, I think ultimately it's his decision. Now, you're right. The league can can guide the process and say Bezos is the best owner given these 10 factors. Although I think it's complicated with Bezos because of Amazon and the broadcasting of games. It sort of creates a complexity that might not be the case with some other potential bidders. But it is Snyder's team. And although the league would have to approve a sale, the sale itself is one that Snyder would oversee. So I mean, who knows what's really going to happen? I would think Snyder would ultimately try to maximize what he can get out of the sale. But it is his decision, conditioned with league approval. 
Regarding all of these celebrity names emerging as potential buyers of the commanders, from the standpoint of the NFL, is there value in celebrity ownership of teams or not really? I don't know if it matters that much. I think they're, they want stable ownership. Having a celebrity or two might help. But I think as we've seen with owners, it's really going to be the principal owner that gets the attention, whoever that person ends up being. And that we've seen celebrity owners with other teams and other leagues. And it doesn't seem as if they, if they're a limited partner, it doesn't seem as if they get all that much media attention for that capacity. I really think it's going to come down to who is the who is the lead person in this and what will that person bring to the table? You, you mentioned some celebrities. We obviously we heard Kevin Durant also weigh in. I think it would it would add star power, but I don't know if the NFL needs it. The NFL is doing so well with broadcasts and TV rights. I don't I'm sure they would like to have people that could bring in new fans. But I think at the end of the day, the league wants a, print, a, a majority owner that's going to bring stability and will also play by the rules and follow what the league wants and, and not maybe attract a ton of unwanted attention for himself or herself. Something that has become almost comical in following and discussing the Dan Snyder saga is how many attorneys he seems to have. Uh, there throughout this ordeal have been so many statements from so many different attorneys affiliated with Dan. I can only imagine how much Dan has spent at legal costs over the last two years. But if you were an attorney for Dan, if you were Dan's counsel and he was paying you a fortune uh, and he asked you for advice on the best path forward, what would your advice to him be? Well, I, I would ask him, what do you really want to do? I think that's ultimately the, the key question. Does, does he want out? And if he says no, but I worry about all of these things going on around me, I, I would say, what is, your, what is your threshold for withstanding those things? Because none of them might lead to your expulsion. We've never seen an owner expelled. Also, some of these things may pass with time. The, the congressional investigation, if the Republicans win the majority, that investigation probably is going to go away. So some of these things might have expiration dates. And we don't know, obviously, the, the worry of a federal investigation by the Eastern District of Virginia, that is concerning. But I, I would also ask him to be honest and say, you, you got to tell me exactly what happened. Because no, a lawyer is not good if the lawyer doesn't know everything, right? Because if, if the client's withholding some critical information, the lawyer can't give good advice. So I would ask him to be fully honest and transparent, particularly with regard to whether or not it's true that the team withheld revenue or didn't refund money to fans. I, I sort of, he would need to be really honest about that. And if it turns out that these potentially bad things didn't happen, I would say, look, you could, you, they're not going to force you, they can't force you out. It's just unheard of for an owner to be voted out. If you really want to stay, you should stay. Final question for you. Uh, you have followed, talked about, and written about this stuff for years. Is there any other ownership saga for a major professional sports team that comes close to the Dan Snyder saga, or does it stand alone? I think it stands on its own. We've seen other owners get in trouble. Obviously, Donald Sterling is sort of the most commonly cited example of an owner being pushed out. 
and that was that was obviously a big scandal. But although he was controversial for a long time, it really didn't take off until that recording that TMZ published. But that also had a limited duration. The, the Snyder saga has gone on for years and involves so many different things, like we talked about earlier. It just has so many pieces to it that I can't think of another owner who has faced this extensiveness of controversy and despite his efforts to bring in new people and to try to quell it it doesn't seem to end so yeah i can't think of another owner i mean the, the team name was just the start of it right yeah. and then, yeah. <laughs> right, that, that's that almost seems small compared to the more recent I mean, a criminal investigation right is way more yeah uh, way more troubling so yeah i mean this is uh this is in its own its own world, and I don't I don't know if we'll see another like it. Yeah, you guys at Franklin Pierce could probably come up with an entire course on the Dan Snyder saga. Sports law expert Michael McCann of Sportico. Uh, he is an attorney. He is a law professor and is the sports and entertainment law director at the University of New Hampshire's Franklin Pierce Law School. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Al. Take care. Well, we on Tuesday night had the beginning of Georgetown basketball's 2022-2023 season. Uh, The Hoyas are coming off a nightmare of a season, an embarrassment of a season. The Hoyas in the 2021-2022 season went 6-25 overall and 0-20 in the Big East and lost their last 21 games. Georgetown's 2021-2022 season is legitimately one of the worst seasons that any major Washington, D.C. area sports team has ever had. It remains truly remarkable that Patrick Ewing remains Georgetown's head coach. At just about any other program, Patrick would have been fired off a season like last season. And with the tenure that he has had as Hoyas head coach, last season was Patrick's fifth season as Hoyas head coach. He was not fired despite having made the NCAA tournament just one time over his five seasons as Hoyas head coach. And that one time was the 2020-2021 season in which the only reason that the Hoyas made the NCAA tournament was a miracle run to win the 2021 Big East tournament. And understand, I like Patrick Ewing. I have a lot of respect for Patrick Ewing as a coach. He toiled for years as an NBA assistant coach. It's not like he was just gifted this Georgetown head coaching job of having done nothing as a basketball coach. But truth is truth. He is very lucky that uh, Georgetown marches to the beat of its own drum, that Georgetown is paying him a lot of money, and that Georgetown didn't fire him. Uh, But we, in the 2022 offseason, did have massive change for Georgetown basketball. The Hoyas overhauled their roster. Uh, A number of players transferred out. A number of transfers were brought in. Georgetown also hired a key assistant. Patrick Ewing on March 24th announced the addition of Kevin Nickelberry to the Hoyas coaching staff as an assistant coach and recruiting coordinator. And Patrick on July 18th announced the elevation of Nickelberry to associate head coach. Uh, Kevin Nickelberry spent the previous three seasons at LSU, for which he served as an assistant coach and director of recruiting. He was LSU's interim head coach last season. He has major local ties. He served as head coach at Howard 2010 to 2019 and at Hampton 2006 
to 2009. He was born in Washington, D.C., went to Central High School in Capitol Heights, Maryland, and played at Virginia Wesleyan University, from which he graduated in 1986. And this guy, Kevin Nickelberry, played a key role in a 2022 Georgetown transfer class that was ranked as high as number two in the country via 247sports.com's transfer portal class rankings. And so all of this brought us to Tuesday night and what ended up being a season opening win for the Hoyas. But boy, was it not easy. Uh, A 99-89 overtime win over Coppin State at Capital One Arena. Coppin State's head coach, as you may know, is Maryland legend and former Wizard star Juan Dixon. Uh, The Hoyas in this game blew a five-point lead with less than 20 seconds left in regulation. I mean, this nearly was a disastrous season-opening loss for Georgetown. Uh, Coppin State's Mike Hood got an offensive rebound and made a left-wing three as time expired in regulation to tie the game at 83 and force overtime. But the Hoyas won the overtime 16-6. So yeah, the Hoyas choked away a five-point lead with less than 20 seconds left in regulation, but Georgetown did then win the overtime by 10. Here was Patrick Ewing during his post-game press conference. You know, just like I told them in the locker room, it wasn't the way we wanted to win, uh, but we got the win. You know, there's a lot of teaching moments uh, that we have to, things that we have to learn from uh, as we go on in the season. But um, we, we made mistakes, we got down, we fought back, we were up, uh, we were supposed to foul at the end, we didn't, but we were able to come away with the win. Yeah, so as you heard from Patrick Ewing, the Hoyas were supposed to foul, for whatever reason, did not foul, and ended up giving up that game-tying three by Mike Hood at the end of regulation to force overtime. More from Patrick on that. Uh, we were supposed to foul. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's my belief. Up, up three, uh, with ten seconds on the on the clock. Um, we we missed the free throw. We told them we wanted them to foul, but it didn't happen. And, and they 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 made us pay for it. Yes, they did. Uh, Georgetown's starting lineup on Tuesday night was comprised entirely of transfers, uh, but the five transfers who were the Hoyas starters all contributed big time. Uh, two Hoyas who came through big time in overtime uh, were Primo Spears and Bryson Bazone. Uh, Primo Spears, he is a transfer from Duquesne. He on Tuesday night in 43 minutes as a starter went 1-2 on threes, 9-17 on twos, and 7-9 on free throws. He finished with 28 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists versus 5 turnovers. Spears in the overtime scored 6 of the Hoyas' 16 points. Bryson Bazone, he's a transfer from USC Upstate. He, in 42 minutes as a starter, went just 1 of 6 on threes, but also 6 of 8 on twos and 5 of 5 on free throws. He finished with 20 points and 7 rebounds. Mazone in the overtime, scored 7 of the Hoyas' 16 points, including a big 3 from the right side, close to the right corner, for a 10-point Hoyas lead at 97-87, with 1-11 left in overtime. The best player for Georgetown on Tuesday night, though, to me, was UConn transfer and 6'10 big man, a cook, a cook. Uh, He, in 42 minutes as a starter, two of four on threes, five of five on twos, two of two on free throws. He finished with 18 points, 12 rebounds, including four offensive boards, five blocks, and two assists 
versus one turnover. That was impressive. Uh, Patrick Ewing during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on a cook a cook. You know, that's that's a hell of a stat line. Um, he, you know, um, he did a lot of great things for us to help us to get this win tonight. You know, not only, you know, Primo with the job that he did, uh, you know, Brandon with, with what he did. Um, a cook, uh, he, he stepped up. Um, you know, he's still, we're still learning each other uh, as a group. But I thought that it was a, it was a, it was a coming out party for him. Uh, also for Georgetown on Tuesday night, LSU transfer Brandon Murray. Uh, he, in 44 minutes as a starter, went just 4 of 16 on twos and went just 1 of 6 on free throws. And he committed four turnovers. But he also went 3 of 5 on threes, finished with 18 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, and 4 steals. And Maryland transfer Kudis Wahab. Yes, he is back at Georgetown of having transferred from Georgetown to Maryland. Uh, his lone season with the Terrapins last season did not go so well. Uh, Kudis back with the Hoyas. He on Tuesday night dealt with foul trouble. If you know your Kudis, you are not stunned by that. Uh, and he fouled out in playing for just 15 minutes as a starter. But over those 15 minutes, Kudis Wahab had a double-double, 11 points and 10 rebounds, including seven offensive boards. He went two of five on twos and seven to seven on free throws. Kudis Wahab is a guy who can play. You know, he's he's got his flaws, no doubt, but he can play. And how about that? Kudis on Tuesday night, 11 points and 10 rebounds in just 15 minutes of playing time. Did have no assists versus two turnovers. The Hoyas for the game, by the way, 18 turnovers. It's hard to have anything but very modest expectations for Georgetown this season, but this is a new team with a bunch of new players. These are some talented players, so it's not inconceivable that the Hoyas could end up being decent this season. Uh, And at least now, that 21-game losing streak is over. Next up for the Hoyas, home to Green Bay, Saturday morning at 11. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 440, will include a lot on the Commanders. They, with their next game being this Monday night as opposed to this Sunday, have a bit of a different week this week as opposed to their normal week during the regular season. Uh, Head coach Rod Rivera during a conference call with reporters on Monday morning said that Wednesday would be a half day of work and then Thursday through Saturday would be like the usual Wednesday through Friday. But whatever the case, plenty of commanders talk on Thursday show. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Capitals as we on Wednesday night have the first installment of Caps Penguins this season. Caps home to the Pittsburgh Penguins Wednesday night at 7.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Hoyas win! 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 It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 